Good morning, afternoon, evening, or nighttime. You've once again come across Selection Collection Podcast. We're very, very happy that you're here. We being myself, Austin Shanahan, my co-host. Will Dorja. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this episode we will be talking guilty pleasure movies. Now, you may agree, disagree, find us on social, you know, express your opin- uh, opinion. Opinion. Opine. Express the Um, But yeah, thank you for being here, and um, let's begin. So yeah, guilty pleasures. Now this, just forewarned, our, our past two episodes have been about, you know, around hour and a half. This may be a shorter episode depending on how much we want to elaborate. Um, but just for, for the listener, we do have a few upcoming planned episodes. Now, I'm not saying that these are going to go in order, um, but we have a few guests lined up as well for these upcoming episodes. They'll be coming out, you know, three we have on the docket for the next couple months. Um, those three being, once the Book of Boba Fett finishes up, um, we're going to talk Star Wars with a guest of my choice. Um, then we're also going to do a type of throwback episode we're going to call For the Boys. <laughs> um, that's going to be with your brother, Will, and his friend, Drew. So Phil Dorjath and Drew Green will be joining us on the podcast. They're both listeners, so we thank those guys. Special shout-out to them. Um, Star Wars will be joined by my friend, Trevor Messicar, who I met working uh, sling and vending at uh, the Kane County Hoover Stadium. Um, and then our third upcoming planned episode will be once the Batman comes out with um, Robert Pattinson, uh, we will be joined by Trevor Hollis for that episode to talk not only that movie, but Chris Nolan and probably the other DC uh, Ben Affleck movies as well. So we'll Yeah, I'm excited. we got a lot of good things coming up here. we got some guests are coming on board. Um, a lot of fun things are going to be happening. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. You'll have some different voices, some different opinions, a little different dynamic with the conversation rather than your two boring co-hosts. <laughs> um, but no, it'll be, it'll be a good time. But let's, uh, let's move right into the, the theme of this episode, Guilty Pleasure Movies, and I wanted to start it off. Go for it. Um, so I'm going to talk... And people may disagree. I know. Will, I know you like this movie. Um, first, my we each have two picks. My first pick is Twister. Um, Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, uh, came out in 1996. Um, and it is great and also laughably funny. And we've lost a few stars in that movie. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Uh, also, rest in peace, um, duh, God, I cannot, Philip Seymour Hoffman, thank yeah, I was you. about to say. Yeah, um, rest in peace to both of them, um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, absolutely tragic, as well as Bill Paxton, both of them iconic, iconic actors, um, so first, just lead it off with that, but, um, I, uh, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about Bill Paxton's previous roles, um, just a couple of them, one being Titanic, and the other being... Predator. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So what the hell was he in Titanic? He was the film. He was the guy who was leading the search for the heart of the ocean. Oh yes, he was. Yeah. Okay, that's why I, I haven't seen Titanic in a long time. No, yeah, it's not really worth watching after you've seen it a couple times at most. 
Um, but any thoughts on your end? On, do you remember his predator role, or do I have to elaborate? Uh, you're gonna have to elaborate. I've okay, seen. so in predator, he maybe and his he plays the same character in Predator as well as Alien, which is ironic that they tie those two movies together. Uh, a, not Alien, but Aliens. Uh, he plays an obnoxious military gunman. Yes. Who okay. is <laughs> it's coming back a little? What's later. going on, man? We gotta get out of here. Like this absurd. <laughs> just these absurd phrases. He's way over the top and just absolutely egregious and preposterous with what his lines of dialogue are. I know that he was being cast for his his roles, you know, to be this kind of young, inexperienced, scared comrade of the leader. Uh, it, one being Sigourney Weaver, the other being Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to kind of oppose those two strong leads and, and be that sort of weakling, embarrassing <laughs> character. Um, but, but he, he's great in, he's great in Twister. Um, he, he plays a totally different character and, you know, educated meteorologist, uh, a weatherman, as they would say, <laughs> and, and they, and Carrie Ulls would, uh, his, his, uh, antagonist in that, in that movie Twister where he, uh, Carrie Ulls, rest in peace in the uh, movie, gets tossed by the tornado in the F5 scene. But there's a lot of really funny things you could point out in Twister that are just super, super 90s, kind of cliche, and and just so, so, you know, realistic and, and mentionable for the time this movie was made. It's just such a cliche for that, that time and place that this movie was made. And first, I'd like to talk about Helen Hunt. Why was everyone so horny for Helen Hunt in the nineties, uh, early two thousands? Oh, it was one of those like, um, like conscious, like group consciousness where somebody was like, "I think <laughs> Helen Hunt's hot," and everyone's like, "I guess we're going along with this." She, Helen Hunt's hot. She's the romantic interest in so many great movies, and I'm gonna call Twister a great bad movie. And the other, the other two that really stick out to me for Helen Hunt would be um, Castaway. Yes, and you know she's not very prominent in Castaway. Yeah, but they cast but, her. They cast her in Castaway. Oh, good one, Will. For that, yeah. reason. Uh, but you know she's in the locket the whole time. You're constantly right. yeah, reminded you... of her, um, and then you know at the end they have that uh, Tom Hanks and her have that really romantic scene. It's really, it's really heart, you know, heartfelt. It's it's bittersweet. She's she's not a bad actor. She's really not. Um, but there was just this fad in the 90s to make her this absolutely perfect dime piece character. And she's not unattractive, but certainly there are more people, more actors in the 90s that, that could have filled a role. Maybe they just chose her for her ability to act. And she's good. She's believable. Um, the other being as good as it gets with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I was about to say. Okay. Um, that was the one I was thinking And of. she's strong. She's very strong in that, like... I think she may have been nominated for an Academy Award or at least a Golden Club, uh, Golden Globe for that performance because she's very, very good in that movie. I I really like that movie. Quite yeah, she, a bit. Um, her and Nicholas both won the Oscar. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. good call by me. I mean, or uh, Nicholas or Nicholson. Nicholson, sorry. <laughs> this isn't golf. It's yeah. not a golf. It's not a golf podcast. Will. Uh, although it may become one. <laughs> that, would some be a, that would be a transition just halfway through. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, we're changing it up, everybody. No more books, movies, TV. It's just golf. We're talking golf now. We'll, we'll talk golf every once in a while. People who know us know that we play quite a bit of golf. So, Helen Hunt. Um, and then I want to talk specifics about Twister itself. Okay. The beginning scene in Twister. They are a great, powerful scene. It really instills terror of the tornadoes. Um, a young Helen... Joe... Um, Young Helen Hunt, 
played by some unknown child actor, runs down into the tornado shelter with her parents. They're running out of the house because the tornado is coming. And her dad decides to hold that fucking shelter door. Just back, just let it go. You're not going to get sucked out. He's like trying to... the rest of the family stays fine. Tornado it, pulls the door off. It, it, it's a big enough, it's a big enough bunker that he didn't need to do that. They could have just like went into that little like, hey, let's just take a step back and go back here. He's, I gotta hold my door down. And not only that, but his acting. I can't hold it any longer. Ah. Oh my god! It's just like I remember seeing that and being like, I'm like you don't have to hold it. And there's also like I'm like there also there has to be something else in that basement like. A broomstick. Just like, let's just put something It's a like storm that. shelter. Just, it's designed for that. And it's, it. you can clearly see it's at least 20 feet long. Yeah, they, that's what They I mean. usually build those shelters out of actual shipping containers that have been, mis- like, just damaged and you can't ship with them anymore. So they just like, build them into those. It's a perfectly safe shelter at the back. And he's just holding this rickety old door. The fucking screws and, and latches and the, all the hinges get, come flying out. Like it's, tornado's pulling the screws off this thing, and he's he's convinced he needs to stay there. Did you know that was actually the um, inspiration of the Hodor scene in Game of Thrones? Uh, <laughs> hold the door! <laughs> I, can't, I can't hold the door! <laughs> yes, that's, that's where they took it from, everyone. <laughs> Inspired Game of Thrones, inspired by Twister. 1996 Twister. <laughs> like, damn it! I wish I thought of that. Fuck you. That's a good one. God. Um, and then there's another character I want to talk about as well. So I thought I think Bill Paxton's very good. Um, I think Helen Hunt's really really solid. Um, I actually I think that whole group, her whole group with um, right. Philip Seymour Hoffman, all of them. I think that mm. is... He's uh, he's very funny. They That's such gr- a role that's yeah. so not him, too. Like, this, like he's like a tornado bro. Yeah, I, I think... This it, a wonder of nature, baby! Yeah, I just think they, they worked really well together. And everything. I think I think we don't think of it as like one of his roles just because of the more recent bias of what we've seen him do. Yeah, like Cody. Um, where I feel like back in the 90s, he was still up and coming and had to take a lot of sure. other different things and stuff like that, but... I think it was great in that. Yeah, just to get screen time. Yeah, I mean it's excusable, but he was also doing oh yeah better still, acting yeah. around that time. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Jamie Gertz, um, who plays uh, Melissa, Bill's fiance, as because mm-hmm. he's so he's getting divorced from Joe, brings his fiance. And that's away. why he's there. He has to Jamie get Gertz signed, and she has some of the best lines in the movie. My favorite line, most iconic line, I think, in the entire movie, is when Joe. Bill and uh, Melissa are driving through the tornado, um, and they got the sister tornadoes, and she takes the phone, because she's the therapist, she takes the phone call on the uh, on that phone, that big-ass cell phone, oh that hilariously God. large cell phone, um, <laughs> and she's talking to her, her, her patient who cannot, and she's a sex therapist, by the way. Yeah. She, she, ta- she basically talks to men and women who can't get horny for their spouse. So this movie's incredibly horny, by the way, and we're gonna get to that. Um, but the, <laughs> but she, they're going through, and then you see a cow fly by the screen, fly across the windshield, and uh, and she, <laughs> and <laughs> and Helen Hunt's character goes, cows. <laughs> She's talking to her, her patient on the phone. She's like, "I gotta go, Julia. We got cows." <laughs> like, like that guy knows what's going on. Oh, my bad. You got cows. You're right. You gotta get off this phone. There was no like, "Hey, I'm in the middle of a tornado. There's cows going across." It's just, "Hey, we got cows." It's like 
you're right, you got cows. See you later. Like, by, the, by the way, I'm billing you for this conversation about cows. Um, <laughs> just what the... I, I don't... The writing is just so 90s, and that's, that's why I love this movie, because it just... It absolutely encompasses a generation of the, of movies that are like action packed and fun, and it it's a PG thirteen movie, but it's certainly not inappropriate for children. There's nothing truly. No, it was in the back in the nineties where PG thirteen was fairly newer. That a lot of the um, kind of catch alls of it can't be PG. Right. It's not going to R. So basically, it was old. What it would have been old PG is now PG thirteen because of violence and because of like those big action scenes and like death is kind of implied that's why it's PG-13, but I do agree with you. It's not like a non-family movie. Right. And so Bill goes, chases his profession, and, and you know, Melissa Gertz, or Jamie Gertz, I'm mixing up the fictional and non-fiction names, she leaves and all that bullshit, and, you know, it's this romantic drama. Um, and that's where I want to bring up how horny this movie is. As soon as... Bill sees Joe. As soon as Bill Paxton sees Helen Hunt's character, he's just, you can just tell there's like a quarter chub in his pants. Like, Oh, it's not, a quarter chub the whole movie. Not only for, for her, because she's, Helen Hunt's attractive, but but for like, it's like horny for her profession. Like, oh, it's horny, it's horny for tornadoes. Yeah, goes, oh, they're both horny ooh, for tornadoes. Very, they're, they're very, very horny, horny for, for tornadoes. And they both get really like aroused during tornado scenes. There's like a scene oh. where... The first tornado chase where Bill and Joe are riding in the pickup truck, and he's driving, and 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 Joe go or Helen Hunt's character, she goes, she goes, uh, she's like, do you want to lose it? And he's like, and he like rips her, like he mm-hmm. tugs her seatbelt. He's like, bucker your seatbelt. And then, <laughs> and she like she does this like little face jet, like ooh, he touched, like he touched my waist. Ooh, oh, yeah. you're 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 tucking me in for this tornado, ooh, tornado big daddy. Chase. We're going to get this big one. Like, it's like it's what oh. they get off. It's yeah. what they get off to is like that's their their mutual Viagra is, is tornadoes. Like they like, see a tornado and like the the pressure in the air drops and all of a sudden they're just both instantly horny for this storm. Like the only way they get horny is with tornadoes. Yeah, it's that's, like hey, we're having a bad time. All right, time to go to Oklahoma. We got to see a tornado. Like we need to get horny again yeah so like usually people are diagnosed with ed they have td yeah, tornado, tornado disorder <laughs> tornado horny disorder t-h-d tractile dysfunction <laughs> it is hard. the whole movie they're just like every scene there to get and it always happens like oh we're gonna our tornado's coming they're all like everybody that whole group's like Ooh, tornadoes coming. We gotta go get these tornadoes. Do you have your map out? Let me see these maps. Ooh, we gotta go, we gotta cross the 80 and get to the side road to get our tornadoes. This road's not good. It's not a good choice, Bill. It's not a good choice. Yeah, but we're getting close to this tornado. It's like, there's just so much. And then, it's kind of, you know, this movie's ham-fisted at points, and it has just in-your-face dialogue and absurd moments. Um, Like, one of my favorite moments with, with Carrie, uh, and I always pr- mispronounce his last name. He's the guy, he's the the knight. He's Wesley in Princess Bride, Carrie Yules. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he has this, he has this line when Bill, when he's, like, Bill first finds out that he stole his, his idea for Dorothy, which is their tornado measuring device that releases cubes and, cer- like, spheres into the air to measure the fucking tornadoes. 
any game. Which is crazy that, that <laughs> it, it is a real thing now that's actually to mention to measure the like actual wind speeds and like, what's going on inside a tornado. Where back in the 90s it was like, hey, this is something that we might be able to do. And now they're actually able to track that kind of stuff, not with the cubes and stuff, but with other kind of measuring devices. Interesting side fact. Um, the Tim Samaris, a cha- real-life storm chaser who passed away in the El Reno tornado back in 2017, 18, 19... Or no, 2013. The, it's the largest tornado ever recorded in, in American history. 302 miles an hour, two miles wide. Um, a bunch of, of, like, four or five storm chasers lost their lives in that storm. Um, but Tim Samaras had been chasing tornadoes for a couple decades before losing his life in that tornado. They The movie took his idea for uh, a the device. device that would get sucked up in the air. Um, they And they just kind of made it, you know, Hollywood. But no, shout real shout out, not ironic shout out to Tim Samaras and his son and partner who died, uh, the uh, the Twist X team, in that uh, El Reno twenty thirteen tornado. Um, but that's you know the movie's absurd, the effects not bad for the time, but at the end of the day, if it's on, and I'm sure we can probably say this about the rest of our picks for the rest of the day, if it's on TV, if I see it listed. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch that fucking movie. And I think that's a perfect um, kind of explanation of, for me, a guilty pleasure movie. It's like, yeah, it might not be cr- critically acclaimed, it's not, it might not be loved, but it's like, if I see it on TV, I'm stopping what I'm doing, and I'm probably finishing this movie. Right. Like, it's, that it, I just enjoy it, that I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for, Twister's definitely one of those. And for reference, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. We're not going to look at Rotten Tomato scores for this because it's guilty pleasure, and we think that audience members should... That should be the significant metric for for these uh, for these movies that we choose. So six point four yeah, out of ten it's, on it's IMDb. It's fun. It's one of those where I've now seen enough times where it's like even if I catch it and there's only forty five minutes left, it's like all right, watching yeah. the last forty five. I know what happens. I know what happens. <laughs> I know whatever happened in the beginning. So yeah. let's keep going. Like yeah. it's one of those where it's just um, a fun nineties movie, really. Mm-hmm. And one last thing about Twister before we move on to yours, Will. I want to mention. My favorite scene in the movie is the drive-in theater oh, scene, yeah, it's a great where scene. they're playing The Shining, mm-hmm. and they have to go into the and the, the tornado comes yep. through, tears down, like rips up the the screen, the projector screen, and it the tornado destroys the screen as Jack Nicholson is ripping through the door in The Shining. Where's Johnny? Like his face appears on the like on the tornado, mm-hmm. and, and I just love that. And I, that scene is truly scary because it begins with the TV going out in the coffee shop where they get because yeah. they have no idea it's coming. It's dark as it's nighttime, you know. In, they, that's in the, a really well done. And scene. And that's crazy, really, to think about it because back, especially in the nineties and stuff, we didn't have that many early warning systems. Right. So a lot of times you only had that ten minutes while when the tornado, if that, if that tornado touched down, shit, somebody called it in. We gotta call it now because technology advanced. We have a lot of early warning systems. They could tell, like, hey, this system might be able to create tornadoes. Back then, they were like, hey, it could create a tornado, just never know. And that, like you said, they had no clue. The TV turns off, like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then, out of nowhere, two minutes later, boom, tornado. Horrifying. And that that scene captures a lot of fear. There, are, there isn't a scarier scene in that movie. Um, the movie's supposed to be, like, scary with the tornadoes. And sure, there are moments. Um, I hate, hate the final scene, which is why I'm making it a guilty pleasure, them getting sucked up. Or in the shed, tying themselves that's down what I'm about to say. in, that's in the an F five, debris spinning everywhere like they wouldn't like, be shredded like nothing. We, we, we just got these fucking buckles that we're just right, holding yeah, on this to. Hose attached yeah. to this well. Like, put, no. We're putting it around our waist, and we're gonna be good. Whatever. It looks good for the time, so they did it. Whatever. But no, that's that's Twister. So what's what's your 
first guilty pleasure movie, Will? Okay, yeah, my first, uh, I would say, guilty pleasure movie, I will kind of preface this a little bit. Um, I, back in college, I actually worked for Family Video. Um, Amazing. It, it was great. I went to a small, well, I mean, the town only had about 7,000. and just tell the um, I mean, rip in Wisconsin. Um, but Family Video itself, back, I mean, in 2015, um, 2016 and stuff, it was going down, like, of course, I mean, Blockbuster was gone, but the, the only reason they were still around is because they owned the property land, so they were never had to pay rent and everything, and they still, they're actually a bigger um, real estate company than really actually like the movies and stuff. They're gone now. The whole, everything in the video is gone, basically. I think there's only a couple. Um, but it was actually like a small town thing, and it was always funny being there. But um, So yeah. for me, one of those guilty pleasure movies was because I had so much downtime, it was hysterical how much downtime I would have on a Tuesday night, like who was actually coming to rent like physical discs um it was it was so funny that um we wouldn't get some discs that i would have to go personally to walmart and buy movies to then bring them back to family video to go sell them and i was like because companies like yeah we're not giving you guys movies anymore like that's this is not a part of our bottom line so like it was like half the industry, like Disney and Fox movies, they wouldn't give it to us so i would go to walmart and just buy movies um but for me <laughs> so mass. And Matt, and so then, but like for this is what is this is 2015, 16, 17, right? Yes, when, uh, what, what, those like are the 16 three. and 17, okay. 16, 15, and a 15, 16, and 17. Amazing. I worked at family, yeah, video. of course, <laughs> fucking family, video. hysterical. I would always have people come in and they'd be like, like, they're with like, oh, I'm visiting my grandpa and stuff, he needs me to get a movie. He goes, I don't know why I have all these on, uh, like, we could get these streaming, but he goes, I like my physical discs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Um, Wasn't there a pizza joint, like, right next to it, or is that a different location? Uh, family Wisconsin Video usually does out. have Marco's Pizzas. They, okay. Family Video owns Marco's Pizza, right. and that's, that's still it. around. That's what you were Rippin does not have, did not have a mm -hmm. Marco's there. Um, but so, like, so a lot of my guilty pleasure movies was stuff I would throw on um, the whole system in there so if i'm walking around shelving movies or whatever i always had it up there because it's like movies that i love but they might not be great they're at least um pg enough that like families wouldn't complain about it and i could be doing things doing homework and then look up like oh i know this scene and one of them that i always put on was always tron legacy right and it had like it had to be family friendly right or at least somewhat oh, yeah. okay so weirdly my first boss that i had there she only allowed us to play g movies Okay. And I said, I we worked alone, understand this. And she goes, you only can play G. The moment she walked out, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, most of Pixar's technically PG. No one's going to care. Well, I didn't even think a about lot, that. It's just like, like little in yes. windows and stuff. I'm like, no one's going to care. She was only my boss for like six months. And the next boss is like, if there's no swear words, play it. Whatever. It's like, you're here for six hours. Enjoy your time. I don't care. Just don't really mean swear word. Funny, and about that, only one time that ever happened where I was playing a movie, I'm like, it's a Tuesday, one of our most dead days, I'm playing a movie that I want to see, I forgot what movie it is, this fam this mom and this young daughter come in, and I'm helping them out, and I'm like, okay, this movie might have some swear words, so I quickly pause it, um, and as they're leaving, I press play, and no joke, two seconds later, just, shit, and I am just go, oh, okay, um, oh, okay, they, they're gone, alright, well, nothing's gonna happen here, and like, it, it was a loud shit too like and they were walking out the door right when i pressed play and it was like two seconds later they're in the like um foyer that had a speaker and just screaming just shit and i was like oops shit. all right well i'm gonna keep watching this movie just anyway dropping bombs in the family video but i always loved shits. putting on <laughs> exactly i always loved putting on tron just because um tron legacy right? tron legacy yeah not okay. the original right. um 
it was just one of those where I really, I thought the um, kind of the visuals are great. Jeff Bridges in it, I thought was really good. He does um, a good job in that movie. Yeah, I, I I just enjoyed it. It was like a lot of fun scenes. I'm like, I thought the CG and everything in it was was very reminiscent of what I felt like a Tron world would be. Mm. Then I'm like, oh, it was really fun. Like all the racing scenes, like the battle scenes and stuff. I mean, the soundtrack is. Still one of the soundtracks that I'll put on in my car and stuff. Just yeah, because Daft of Punk. Daft Punk. Shout out just... to them. I think they were up for an Oscar for that soundtrack. And it was one of those where I'm actually surprised that I mean it didn't do as well that they thought it was going to. They I, wanted and it's Disney too. It's Disney, it? yeah, yeah. They wanted it to be a new series and everything. Yeah, it's um, a shame. I mean, it ended on what's her face? Um, her going into the Being real world. Real, yeah. Oh, um, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde oh, going. Gosh, yeah. That just. That's where I got my, had my like first crush on. Olivia Wilde, that tight black leather suit. She's yeah, wearing. and then it's she like, goes to the real world, morning, and then like, Hello. Um, Tron himself is actually still alive or whatever mm. on the bad Tron. Rensler, he's Rensler. Yeah, so, but it was just one of those, like you said, we're saying about Twister, it was like, yeah, there is some very kind of, okay, this is not great the writing. Um, it's, che- it's just cheesy. cheesy. Yeah, very much so. And, it, and because they were, it's based off of the video game Tron, it was like, going into, you're like, what can they really do with this? I mean, granted, they did base it off of the kind of continuing the original Tron back, I think, in the 1980s. Was it 80? It was late 70s, maybe. Um, um, first Tron movie. What do you, you got? For 1982. Me? 82. And, I mean, that one is dated. And, and Tron Legacy is. 20... 2010. Okay. So I was 16. Olivia Wilde sparking my 16 year old Bonner. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, yeah, so that's crazy. That's an insane gap. Um, yeah. And they really had to wait that long years. because of uh, technology, because, like, the original one, people were like, okay, this it is... It looks bad. Oh, God. Um, it looks really bad. Yeah, and this was also, Tron Legacy was one of the first movies to uh, do de-aging. Um, the, oh, yeah! It was one of the, the first... The young Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and that, you could tell that that was the first time they've really tried to do that. You mm-hmm. know, like, they're like, hey, we got this new technology, we could de-age Jeff Bridges, bring him back, and they're like, okay, let's do it! And then you see it, you're like, yep. He looks like Play-Doh. That is totally <laughs> not a human face. There is definitely no pores there. Like, what's, I understand that he is in, in, the, video in the video game, but... It's not Jeff Bridges, right. especially when you the real Jeff Bridges is talking to the DH Jeff Bridges. It's like okay, alrighty. No, the, remember the scene where he's talking to, like so. Jeff Bridges is reminiscing to Kevin. So Kevin Flynn is Jeff Bridges, I believe. Sam Flynn is yes, his, his son. son. So Kevin Flynn is um, he, he's talking to Sam about creating um, the world. No, what's the what's the opposite? Like the other, the digital Jeff Bridges. That he has a name. Um, um, clue. Clue. He creates clue, and like he touches a piece of glass, and it mirrors himself. Mm-hmm. But that d like that was de-aged Jeff Bridges talking to a like a more Play-Doh version de-aged I, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. It's a very strange dichotomy that we see, and I agree with you. It's so. It's jarring. It, it, that's what. That's a great word for it. It's like you almost got. You take a step back. You're like, okay, I, I could tell this is Jeff Bridges supposed to be younger, but it's like, but it's not. It's just not that. Like it's not perfect enough. Mm. Where now, if that was today, it would almost be almost perfectly yeah. Jeff Bridges because the, the technology and stuff has increased. But it was one of those first ones where it was like, like you said, jarring. Like, oh, that's not him. That's not him. I know mm. you're trying to what you're trying to do, but it's not him. 
You know, I don't. I think you're wrong about the tech being there. When was um, Dead Man's Ch- or what's the first movie that we saw um, in in Pirates of the Caribbean that we saw Davy Jones? What's the first movie we see? Davy Jones is is the second one, so the Dead Man's Chest. Is that? Yeah, it is Dead Man's Chest. That's 2006, and that's some of the best CG. That CG of his squid beard. Yeah, that but still I, holds up. I'm not saying why couldn't that move like be? It's a it's a Disney property too. No, no, I'm not saying why couldn't they uphold that same quality because of aging or like not the aging but just digitally. Um, it, the big reason is because so this is getting really technical is the um, polymer count. So how many sides something could have in a digital world? Um, so mind blown. So what are you talking about? So when when in animation it's there's like basically faces so like different like back in the day you only could do like eight faces so the reason like i'm talking like, like planes angles planes. yeah on pl- but planes like on like a circle like understood plane. so okay. nowadays you could do like ten thousand planes on one face so you're able to do a lot more um movements of a mouth to get everything to be more exact to actually get more facial features and stuff but back in when you see the original like toy story and stuff there was not that much to actually move a character so it seems more janky and seems more rigid and stuff so doing that in for dead man chest it's a lot easier when you have a actually just a completely rendered new thing to be able to move that around de-aging is a different completely different type of animation where they're actually taking pictures of the person's face and they're using that to mirror to put it into a system oh okay and because cameras and everything has gotten a lot better now they're able to use a lot more of these kind of polymers and stuff to actually make their faces and go in there and touch it up put actually pores and stuff in there so you actually seems more real this is one of the first times they actually tried to take jeff bridges a lot of his movies they what they do is they're old movies, and they use those frames and bring them into the new oh, movies. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay. That's what. The, that's how they originally did Jeff Bridges, was okay. using his old films. Nowadays, they take just a picture or a couple videos of old and then bring that in and then completely create a new character. Kind of like the deepfake process now. Yes, exactly okay. what it is. That, that is what deepfake has gone on to, is able to take old videos and bring them in. And that's why you see deepfakes with people who have had a lot of content put out there. It's a lot easier to deepfake them. Because there's so much more uh, back catalog right. of videos and stuff to, for the systems to pull in mm-hmm. than, like, say, you or me who got deepfaked very hard because we don't have a lot of stuff out there. That's why actors and stuff are very easy to deepfake. Okay, understood. So let's let's get into, like, why this movie is bad but good. Well, I think a lot of it is Not bad. just the digital looks, but, like, is there anything goofy about the story that you want to, like, touch on or... I mean, the story itself is goofy. It's like, okay, this guy, he is the heir of the Flynn freaking family video game dynasty. It is full of cliches. It's just, like, I'm this, is, I'm this, my dad, he, he's gone, but I'm the, but I'm, I'm, I'm the heir, I'm the heir, I'm the I'm heir, heir that no one to... really knows about, that, right. like, and I'm sneaking into his company to stop them from basically getting bought out or whatever it is from, like, a big yeah, corporation and stuff. Um, and then he like jumps off the building and he goes, "Of course, I ride a motorcycle because that's what a rebel. That's does. That's what a rebel does exactly. <laughs> like so that stuff. And then I mean that makes sense because it translates to the movie when he gets into the Tron world that he's able to. Right, of course, he can ride the motorcycle. And ride the motorcycle and everything. Um, I think that is. I think I think Clue and Tron and like the the leaders of that fake world are just very. 
you're one-dimensional. Okay, this is, of course, this is the bad guy. Oh, yep, he really doesn't believe what the the actual creator believes. Like, yeah. he's actually the complete opposite of him, even though he was created by this guy. Because every person that's created by somebody to, to be the good is always going to turn out to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know that. You know he's not going to have a turn of face and become good at the end. It's like, no, he's not. Like, he, it, is, it is a trope. It's such a trope. Like, the AI I created to, to be me ends up being the opposite of me. It's like... That's yeah. just, it's like, oh, it's like that whole, you know, like people complain about Ultron too from, you know, mm-hmm. Avengers Age of Ultron where he's like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm created to, you know, peace in our time. The only way is for peace is for humans to not exist. It's just like a, it, so I, I, the that, same, the I same mean, thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of those scenes, I mean, I think Jeff Bridges does a great job to hold his own during his scenes and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the, um, the kind of. The linking to the next action scenes, those ones are like, I'm like, okay, where are you going with this? Granted, like I said, I enjoy the movie, so I'm fine with them, but I mm-hmm. can understand why people are like, all right, sure, yep, that's going to happen, okay. How are you going to get to the battle scenes for the bikes because that's Tron, so this is going to be in there. How are we doing this? Oh, okay, he drops in, he's a NPC, he has to go fight in the battle. Right. Yeah, he's going to win. Or, oh, look at Jeff Bridges' um, partner, Olivia Wild, she's coming in, she saves the day. She's mm-hmm. really good at that because she's, like, one of the original, like, Io, whatever they call them, like, that. Yeah, a living, she's, like, a living, because um, when he, he created actual AI inside of it, mm-hmm. that's, that's not evil. Yeah, and um, Clue tried, got rid of all yeah, of them except for I forget her. the name of those, those really people. Yeah, no, it doesn't at all. It's not relevant. Well, that's But, right. like, they're valuable people. And of um, course, she is the saving grace. The last one left. She mm-hmm. she is you the rescued key. Her. she's the key. Like, hey, she's the key of it all. It's right. like, oh, yeah, we knew that from the the get go. Like, I saw her. You say she's the only one left. I'm like, well, she's the key then, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I like I said, but the action scenes. I think the like imagery, the all the I mean the soundtrack. That that's why it's to me it's a guilty pleasure because it's like. I could get past the shit of the... the just cheesiness cliche. Yes, I could get past that to, to enjoy what they did bring out and show us. Mm-hmm. And it's for, I think you can almost forgive some of the cheesiness because the it's such a dramatic world, but also it's shown to us beautifully. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, other than the de-aging Jet Bridges, which is probably the only bad visual oh, in that movie. It. Everything yeah. else looks pretty good. Um, and then, everything else has that, that Tron aesthetic that you would feel like this would be in a Tron virtual world. Like this is exactly how I would picture it. And right. it's like, they did that very well. Like that whole, the whole cityscape and everything mm-hmm. when they go up and, and it's grittier too. And, yes. When they go up in the whole, um, kind of nightclub scene. Right. And so I, I did want to touch on that. Michael Sheen, like uh, that was a character of Zeus who can, who's like the broker of, of everything sold mm-hmm. inside of Tron city or whatever it's called. Um, I, it's like I love and hate his performance at the same time because like his his character is like that white hair, the long back hair mullet and like he's super pale and he's just super flamboyant about everything he does. Um, he's you know he's like a bad guy because he's always like playing to an edge. but at the same time it's like he's so enjoyable to watch on screen. he's always he's always been an over the top actor. There's a lot of stuff that he's been in where he just kind of plays that same character. Um, one of the most probably prominent roles that that he's been in in that same sort of role is is those underworld movies and I know they stink, but 
but they're the same kind of, ah, like, I'm this character. So, funny you say that. One of my other guilty pleasures, and this is a guilty pleasure because of childhood. It's one of the first movies I remember getting and watching on my portable DVD player. <laughs> How no. many times is that portable DVD player going to make it to the pod? <laughs> I used to use that thing all the time. Religiously. Li- yes. It's church. All the time. And he played um, the French king in t- the movie's called Timeline, where present day they go back and they're all... You and fucking time travel. Yeah, but he plays um, the French, the French king, and right away he is so like out there with it, like I'm French, right. but he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, like what? I know you're an or, English or, actor. Or, or no, no, he's the English in the French. He's oh, okay. the English um, occupying um, king in, oh, in France, okay. and he's like, oh, and then he's like, there's a scene where they're battle like. Um, they have a French person um, that is with them, and he's like, they're like, oh, is he a spy? And he goes, and they are fake fighting with wooden swords, but of course one of the wooden swords Ooh. is a fake wooden sword. Oh, so he's, he's using it for sure, because that's... The no, type. his other, like, the person he's, and then he, like, they fight, he gets down, he takes one, and then stabs the, the French guy, and I'm like, duh, that was gonna happen, but uh, he's so over the top in that, right. too. He, he's just... He was almost exactly like his Tron character, but as, like, the English occupying king. It was like, this is the same mood in the fucking field. Oh, Michael Sheen. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, <laughs> I like that pick a lot. I, <laughs> damn, I'm kind of jealous, actually, that you took that. Not took it, but thought of it, because that's, that's a really solid pick. Um. You got any, anything yeah, else? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have one more. But I'm embarrassed about this one. I'm not, I'm not so embarrassed about my Twister pick, but I'm embarrassed about this one, but. I'm embarrassed because I laugh at this movie, and it's, it's Paul Blart, Mall Cop. Um, <laughs> so, and let, stop. Let me defend myself first, because people it. are probably like, "How the fuck do you even like this movie?" Oh, I Paul don't. Blart. Well, I, I want to get that out there right away. I, I don't like this movie for being a movie. I like this movie for being Paul Blart. I think it's. I think it knows. I think it knows what I mean. This is there's this no is way Happy this Madison, would, right? Like yeah. it has to be. There's right? no way that it doesn't know it, what it, it is. It has to be somewhat self-aware. But why I get why I'm guilty about it and why I like it is that I don't think Kevin James knows that everyone else around him knows this movie stinks, or if he does know, he does a really good job of just hamming it up, and he is egregious in this movie. From the mustache to just being, just being this loser, and like the reason he's a like I, I have, I don't have trouble with this, but I think this is probably the funniest part, like meta, like in a meta sort of sense, is that he's just a loser because he's fat. Like look at this he, fat fucking fat loser. Mall cop. Look at this fat loser. Like that's that's you what fat fatty. Like that's what the whole like <laughs> sense is like. Hey. This guy's just a big mall cop. He's, Let's do jokes about it. He's just no. He's, just, he's just, a big guy. He's just fat. He's just fat, and like that's why he's the like he want. He's an aspiring police. He has goals. Mm-hmm. The state, you know, he was trying to get into the fucking state, like police academy, like, and he's just. They're like, no, you're and fat. you're fat. By the way, fatty, you you suck. You fucking suck. You Isn't loser. like one of the first jokes is one of the kids calling him fat. Oh or my something? god! Like, it's just oh like it, it's from beginning to end. Even he he has his win at the end of the movie. He he saves the day, and they still make a fucking fat joke. <laughs> I'll give him credit. I mean, they went for it. They're like, hey, we're doing a lot of fat jokes from the beginning to the end. 
And we ain't gonna, we ain't cowtailing to what anybody says. Fat jokes, baby. Fat jokes only. And, and then, like, he's clumsy, but he's not an idiot. And that's why he wins, because he's smart enough to, like, he knows the mall, he's, and he's passionate. Yeah, he basically, and he's smart it, enough. It's basically like, hey, he could be a cop. Mm. He wasn't so, so fat. fat. Right. Like, it's exactly <laughs> what he goes. He's a smart guy. He's this mall cop who's smart, but he's, but he's fat. He's so fat. he's still a mall cop. Yeah. No, not just fat. He's just a loser. He's just a because he's a mall cop and he's fat. He's a loser. Oh, like even even his his cunning and wit and his ability to to kind of you know actually figure things and, out and run a yes. situation even if he's blundering his way through it. Is just like, and I, I enjoy the physical gags too. Like he eats shit through like a paint, like plane glass window or pane glass window, and like, like the the whole stunt scene with all the. <laughs> why are all the bandits like, X Games pros? Yeah, like what, what the, a what a misallotment of talent. Like the, they, well, that what? whole scene where they're just riding skateboards and BMX bikes through the uh, and like just wall. pulling off tricks. Incredibly cool tricks. And why is the well, well fuck it? It's a scene. It's like, why is the mall a skate park itself? They're just doing it for the stunts. But it, I couldn't, like, there's just so much absurdity, I can't dislike Hey, it. hey, we're going to rob this mall. Make sure to bring your skateboard. Right. Why, why am I bringing my skateboard? We're doing tricks. Just do it. it. We're doing tricks while we're mu- robbing this mall, baby. Right. So we're like, going to be too fast for anyone to catch us, and we're going to be able to get into this mall and just stay here at night because no one knows where we are because we're skateboarders. It's like, oh, Like, I totally, like, you think, like, after, like, if they succeeded and after, it's like, hey, Jeremy, um, we were looking through some footage and, uh, we didn't, you didn't do one rail, you didn't do one, I like how you made the skateboarder Jeremy. Yeah, you, you (laughs) didn't, you didn't do anything, like, um, we brought the skateboard so you could show off your cool tricks. It's like, yeah, but we were robbing the place. Like right. I, I was thinking about something. And I was like, no, 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 no. We were robbing the place, but come on, you were supposed to bring your skateboard. We were doing skate tricks. Fucking Mikey over here is using his BMX bike. He's doing stuff, and you, Jeremy, He's grinding his pants. You're not doing anything. Like what are you doing with skate tricks? The mall cop. He can't do anything. He's a fat mall cop. We're doing skate tricks. Skate we're tricks. Getting around him. We're getting around. He's oh. on his Segway. He's like, he wears the helmet on the Segway. Oh god. When he, when he rides the Segway, he has his like arms like ninety degrees from his, like hit from his chest. And he's like pushing forward. He's hunching his head down so it looks like his neck is even smaller. He looks like he's fatter. And like I just like that aesthetic. And then Bobby Cannavale playing the only role that Bobby Cannavale knows how to play. Hey, this fat fucking mall cop. There's a reason you didn't graduate from the academy. It's like why am I not here other than to do Italian kind of stereotypes? I'm the cop and I'm leading the situation. You can hand it over to us, Paul Fart. Oh, that is so Oh, yeah, and true. how many times did they make the Paul Fart joke? At least two or three. It, it was over two. <laughs> it was over two, which Paul was... Fart. Which is, that just tells you that's too the lowest much. lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Even like, lower than the fat joke. It's like, oh, Paul hey, fart. we don't really have a joke right now. Hey, call Paul Fart. Paul Fart. Yeah. You're right, let's put that one in there. that one, Bobby Cannavale. But, like, but it's, it's <laughs> one of those so stupid, I laugh. Like, it's so stupid, I will laugh. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's like... It, you think about it, like, why am I laughing at this? Is this is fucking dumb? And then something else comes in, and goes, hey, but look at Paul Fart. You're like, God damn it, why did I laugh at this again? Yeah, it's, like I've heard this joke, but I'm still laughing. It's so bad, but and I, I'm pretty sure like 50 percent of the reason I laugh at these bad jokes is because I know they're super lame, but they're just so not only low hanging, but they're they're just so like they're 
bad jokes, so, and they have to know that. So that's they what, have to know that's, that these that's jokes what I'm are super lame. I, I think I could get to movies that know they're bad and play up how bad their jokes are, mm-hmm. and like they're they're playing into that. They yeah, know they're making a. That's to me what it is. Like, okay. hey, we know what type of movie we're making. Like, we're gonna freaking ham fist this. These jokes and everything are gonna be in there because this is on purpose. The bad comedies that are like trying to take themselves too seriously right. but still have these shitty jokes. You're like, okay, uh, but the movies that they know they're doing this, like you could feel like, okay, this was intentful. Mm. Like those, I could get behind because it's like, okay, you guys are doing this on purpose. Fuck, I'll I'll laugh at this. It's the ones where you're like, okay, you're you're kind of trying to be a ser- like a funny, really funny, like edgy comedy, but then you're also like putting these really like stupid, lame kind of jokes and like just really cliche writing. Right. I'm like. Fuck you! Don't do that. And then you have like Paul Blart. It's like I know what you're doing. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. And you go, go ahead. You go into Paul Blart knowing that it's gonna be lame. That it's no one went to Paul Blart and be like, you know what? I was expecting something. This and is gonna be yeah. This no one is... went in and came out like, you know what? I'm disappointed that wasn't very good. Like, no, you knew. It's Kevin James. Has he has he made anything good? Um, good. No. Like critically. Oh no. no. Not like enjoyable. Good like Queen like King of Queens. That's not a good show, is it? I never watched it. Man. It's on WGN. I mean, it's it can't be. It was a Fox show, I think. Believe back in the day. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Be, it's it's a stinker. That's where he got his uh, made yeah. his name. And for then he's the Sandler friend, and I like him. Honestly, I like he's him not. Ups a lot. I was about to say he's not <laughs> he does that a good bad acting job because he's like, pretending yes. to be rich and like he plays that off like his family like ordeal for 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 what Grown Ups is. He does a good job, so. No, but yeah, that's that's Paul Paul Fart Mall Cop. So that to me, that's a good transition. One, I'm not gonna pick another movie that um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about kind of a genre of movies, um, yeah, like Paul Blart. To me, um, I, me and my family, we call them plain comedies. Oh. So movies that you know aren't gonna be that great, but they're good enough to get you by a long plane ride. So it's like so, how long of a plane ride? So like six hours. Well, so, to me, there's couples couple... Coast to coast. Coast to coast. <laughs> if you could do finish a full movie, so a three-hour or longer plane ride is, to me, a plane movie. Okay. It's because you're going to have... Right. There and back, so that's six hours of... Or six and a half hours, whatever it is, of actual flying time. So, those, to me, are plane counties. One, you don't really care about them, but you want to you want to pass the time somewhere. I'm not the person where I want to go into, to on a plane and watch freaking Schindler's List. I don't want to do that. Right. I'm sitting on a plane for Plus three Plus you're hours. probably going somewhere fun. Too. Exactly. So I want to have a little bit lighter mood and stuff. So plane comedies. Okay. It's just something that you're like, you see on Netflix, you're like, I really don't want to watch this right now. If I was uh, 20,000 feet up in the air, okay, that might not be that bad. Like, <laughs> like the, These shitty plane comedies have a monopoly on your uh, on your movie choosing <laughs> They almost do. They almost do. Do you have to? Did you have to check the portable DVD player like a laptop? Oh, but you, this, now you're talking about back when. Yes, yes. I now this is going back when we, I actually brought the portable on the planes and stuff was going to Blockbuster and Please stuff. Please remove and, your portable DVD players and mm-hmm. laptops from your carry-ons. Like I yes, you're 100 when it was freaking the first one we had was just a chunker, man. This thing was it was fucking big. You're like. You're like, you're like, oh man, they're they're packing 240p into this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. We then the new one power. was like 480p. Get 480p oh. up in here. Jeez, but pixels. I remember like going to Blockbuster and stuff, and my parents were like, I right, pick out a movie, and it always would be like, okay, this is 
I might laugh at this. Let's let's watch this and stuff. And my mom always would be like, hey, can you have some uh, comedy you want to give me? I'm going on a plane. And I'm like, oh, yeah, here's some mm-hmm. that are like, and you usually will find them in IMDb. They're like 6.5 to 7 or 6 to 7. Like, they're always in that, that 6 high? range. Those are plane comedies to me. I mean, Really? Okay. Oh yeah, I think no, no, nothing worse. Yeah, no, no, you get good. Mo- no, you get a decent movie. I mean, it starts at five. If it's below okay. five, I'm not gonna. Well, yeah, nobody. Really but like the five fives to the six sevens, okay. that's like the meat. Yeah, I, yeah, the, the ideal plain yeah. comedy. Um, and it has to be a comedy because there's a reason that you will laugh at this stuff because it's like this is so stupid. Like Paul Blart, I will laugh at this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like usually the worst ones are like, okay, this you are trying to be funny it's and you're exhausting. not funny. Like what we were saying. Yes. So I just love plain comedies. It's just like a bad comedy. Got enough for a plane. Let's do it. What's your plane comedy then? Ooh, like one of the plane comedies I remember seeing. Was, you can only choose one. Come on. Oh, gotta, I only could give you like one give plane me your comedy. Best one on that list. What do you got? I would say Game Night. Oh, it was a great plane comedy. That's a really good. I'm sorry, everybody. We we got some puppers here. So woof 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 woof. woof, woof. Um, this might be front door. Might might be a time to cut this, but who knows? We'll keep talking. Let's uh, listen to the doggos. We got four of them in this house. Let's let the just be quiet. Let the listeners listen. Welcome to the selection collection dog hour. It's like, uh... and they stopped. It's like uh, Mr. Rogers like doing like just a silence break just cause. We're we're artful. <laughs> we got a broadcasting. We got the dog break. Hell yeah. Yeah, but game night. Game, remember watching that's, that that's one. Jason Bateman. Jason right? Bateman. Okay. Yep. And okay, so I I may have a problem with you choosing this as a guilty pleasure, and you know what? Maybe I don't. I'm gonna look it up on IMDb because that was the, uh, the the scale we were going by. Oh, by the way, uh, Tron six point eight on IMDb. Paul Blart, 5.2 on IMDb. Uh, Game Night. 2018 movie. 6.9. Okay, so that I think no, is no, fair you... enough to be a guilty pleasure. I think if yes. you hit 7, I would I may veto that. I think 6.9 is a fair limit. So let, Yeah, but let, I'm saying... Let's, that, let's hit it. That one's like the perfect, to me, like in my mind, what a plain comedy was. It was like, okay, I like Jason Bateman and everything. Let's see where it goes. And then I remember seeing it on the plane. I would say that one, another one was Tag. Um, oh, my God. Those, That's, you know what? You chose two really good ones there. Not like just good guilty pleasure playing comedies. That's what I mean. Like, where like you enjoy it. Like, they're okay, not great. They're not great, but I enjoyed my time watching this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, this is a cool little kind of idea to have out there. I mean, right. I I actually generally do enjoy Game Night. I think it's a good comedy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those where I was like, ah, I don't want to watch this like on my own right now. Like, I'll wait. And then I remember watching like a year later on a plane. Yeah. I was like, oh, good movie. And the cast, by the way, quite stacked. Um, Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, Kyle Chandler, Billy Magnuson, uh, Sharon Horgan, Lamorne Morris, uh, Kyle, Kylie Bunbury, who plays Michelle? I don't think we've seen her in much, but Jesse, my favorite Jesse role Plemons. is Jesse Plemons. God, he kills it. He kills it. And I mean, it's like an awkward just neighbor. He always so fucking funny. I do want to interject. He he's a great actor. Oh, he's phenomenal. And you know, he made his big start, which I know you probably don't know this in Breaking Bad. Um, um I you didn't watch it. But no, he made his start in Friday Night Lights. His big start. No, was he, break, his no, expo- it, When when did Friday Friday Night Lights come out? 2006. Okay, 2013. He plays a huge role in 2013 Breaking Bad. Huge. 
there's much more. No, no, I understand that. I'm saying, so but that's, like, he his, got that's his, my argument for big. He got his start definitely. Okay, but Friday big Night start Lights. was, where he... was uh, Breaking Bad. Um, but no, so yeah, Jesse Plemons as that cop the, who they don't want around. Oh my God, so good. And then go ahead. Yeah, I'll let you keep going. I'm sorry. No, I just, I just think, and how he's just like angry that he doesn't get invited to these game nights. <laughs> and then it just <laughs> passive aggressive. It's like, oh, you guys having more people over? That's a lot of bags. It's a lot of bags. Tostitos scoops. Tostitos scoops. <laughs> and it's like, God, in the deadpan with it, he's like, oh. Another game night, huh? And he's got the dog in his hand. Yes. With a very and, uh, small dog who's, like, his like ex-girlfriend. His ex-wife, I believe. Oh, yeah. That's why sure. they don't invite him over anymore, because mm. he's not married. she's gone, yeah. she's gone. And it's, like, <laughs> it's a couple's game night and everything. Right. And then he and he ends up, like, saving the day at the end, and he's like, oh, you're going to invite me to these game nights now, or whatever. God, it's just so fucking good. He, he plays that role fucking perfectly. You know what? You chose the best movie of these four, for sure. I mean, yeah, it probably is, like, the best actual movie. No, but, but... like, I I, for, I have forgot how many times I've laughed at that movie. It's so funny. Oh, that one's a good one. Damn, that's a perfect clean comedy. You know what? Are you are you not a little bit worried, though, about laughing too much on the plane? Always a fear. Right? Always a fear. But I'm at, I'm at the point where if I have my headphones in and I'm laughing, I don't get... Uh, yeah. You're in your own world. It's like... People are just living in it. But you do get the laughters and then the... What, what, what's he laughing at? Right. Uh, you, what, you know what? Maybe, what it does, maybe it does intrigue... Uh, I think it does. Well, I just, I'm worried about like waking people up who are trying to sleep. But if they're trying to sleep on a plane without any earphone, like headphones or earplugs... You're a maniac. They're an idiot. You're a maniac. Yeah, they're just stupid. If That's somebody goes, stupid. oh no, I, I, I just go to sleep on planes just like this. I don't need anything. Noise. Just go to sleep. I'm like, what? You're a maniac. Crazy. Crazy stuff. And I also, if the flight is less than five hours, I don't give a fuck if I wake you up. That's true, yeah. There's okay. no, there's no, uh, I am no bad feeling. I think feeling. there's a statute of, uh... I think there's a time, time of day, duration of the flight, where I don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like anything that, that past 10 a.m. flight. Anything that's... past 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Anything past 8 a.m., anything before 10 p.m. Ooh, 8 a.m.'s tough. That's a oh, tough no. one. You don't think so? No. But people got up probably at 4 or 5 in the morning. Yeah, but you've been up for yeah, a while. You're selfish. Oh, yeah. On a plane? <laughs> On a plane? Yeah, I paid for this ticket. <laughs> this is, I'm enjoying this right. as much as I can. Your your seat that's about half the size of the chairs we're sitting in now. Yeah. Yeah. God. Can't wait for standing only flights. What are you going to do with your portable DVD player then? It's called the phone now. I don't know. One of those. I'm still. I only know about that. No, I still whip out that portable that DVD player. In. Yeah. Make sure we can see it, please. I'm all a disc kind of guy. <laughs> I don't want to see my movies on 480p, baby. Okay, so you have to you have to defend Game Night though. What's what makes it kind of stinky? Because it's a guilty pleasure. There has to be something that makes it a little bit stinky. I want. You I mean, to... the whole premise of the, of the whole thing is fuck. It's 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 weird and kind of. Well, I buy into it though, and okay. I don't buy I don't buy that. You have to give me something a little bit more. It doesn't have to be that much more specific, but it has to be. Just a little bit more. Like, you know, I'll defend you here. The events that occur. That's what I mean. Like, that, how, the way... It's I, not... It's certainly not believable. No, that's what I'm talking about. Like, mm. the setup, like, oh, yeah, we're doing this whole, like, fake death or whatever, like, to make them feel bad or whatever it is. But um, then how they get... How all the events play out to get right. to the final. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah. Like, those are completely unbelievable. Like, no way. Like, going to the house and stealing the, uh, whatever, like, that prized... Um, whatever, like, jewel or whatever it mm-hmm. is, that they have to all figure, like, hey, you, hey, you, make sure that they're not looking and stuff, we're gonna go see this, that ends up, like, not being a real thing or whatever. It's like, that was, that stuff, of course, that's not believable, mm-hmm. but 
Jason Bateman and they do a good enough job that it makes that funny because it is that unbelievable that that's where the comedy comes in. Mm -hmm. He goes, okay, this wasn't really, this is impossible to really happen. That's where we're going to interject the comedy to get you there. And that's why, to me, guilty pleasure. It works. Yes, it it works that way. It works. And they couldn't have chose for that situation, for those unbelievable events that, like, even the ones that are just explained as actually what, like, you know, it wasn't part of the joke or plan, but just happened. Like, they, I believe they get involved in, like, a, like a crime, yeah, like criminals little... and stuff. It's been a long time. But, like, Jason Bateman has that, there's, like, a, always a scene in, um, in Arrested Development that I, his, the face that I always make, like, think of when I hear something just absurdly out there and just an outrageous statement. It, and that's that, that scene where... Um, Tobias, he's, uh, he, he says something like the, um, I accidentally blew myself, so, um, the whole, like, the load, blowing, mm-hmm. blowing his load when he's painting himself to be the, I shot, I prematurely shot my load, <laughs> that was it, and Jason Bateman just, like, does it, it's a meme now, it's just this look of horror and shock, and he reacts to what happens in game night so well with that, that same, like, absurd, how the fuck is this happening sort of attitude so no that's <laughs> i fuck you with that that's, pick. that's a good that's exactly. a good pick that's, did you have did you have that idea for grab bag or did we end up scrapping that i think we're scrapping it for this week all right um taking we're, this is the end of the episode then thank you we're just going right into the exit no fucking cuts we have one cut this episode i believe props to us we're really good <laughs> episode four we're fucking awesome at this um, thank thank you, you, though. Thank you. Ten people are going to listen to this one. How many listens did we have on the last one? I don't one? know. Twenty-something. I got a lot of good feedback from from people. So it's been they, fun. I'm glad we're doing The this. last episode that was their favorite. The people who have listened to a, we, a few yeah. of them. So, um, yeah, thanks for uh, you know stumbling upon us. Yeah, coming across us, whatever, whether it be word of mouth or you somehow saw my shitty social media promotion. Regardless, appreciate you. Will appreciates you, right, Will? Of course, appreciate all you guys. Um, yeah, so thank you. Uh, next episode will hopefully be on time. Will's... No, no, it will be. We'll, it's Star Wars next week. Okay, I just didn't know with your travel. Will's going to Georgia to play some golf. Um, but that will be fun for him. I will be upset when he sends me pictures. But next week we should be back on time and maybe with a couple guests or a single guest, guest depending on what comes out and who's able to do what. Um, but for myself, Austin Shanahan. And Will Dorjeff. Thank you, my co-host, Will Dorjeff. Uh, Will, just, why don't you just, uh, just take right. him out. Just, just stay peachy, everybody. <laughs>